This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business, a daily podcast hosted by Business News. With news over the weekend that Christian Porter has resigned from the ministry six months following his demotion as Attorney General, attention has turned to his chances of retaining Pierce at the next federal election. On today's episode of At Close of Business, senior journalist Matt McKenzie discusses whether or not Christian Porter can still win his seat. But first, here's the news you need to know today. WA will impose tougher restrictions on people returning or travelling from Victoria and has detected one new virus case in a woman who flew to Perth without permission. However, no new cases have been linked to a virus-positive New South Wales truck driver who visited WA and South Australia last week, with Victoria posting 733 new infections on Friday and the state's seven-day rolling average now well above 500. WA has declared it a region of extreme risk. That means no one will be allowed to travel from Victoria unless there are extraordinary circumstances, with the hard border to come into force from Wednesday next week. Premier Mark McGowan said it was heartbreaking to see what was happening in Victoria and New South Wales, while at the same time urging anyone who wanted to come home to do so in the next few days. The Premier said the new infection detected in the woman who flew into Perth from New South Wales on Tuesday was not considered a risk to the broader community. Fifteen people who travelled on the same flight have also been placed in quarantine and have so far tested negative for the virus. The new case came just a day out from the AFL Grand Final in Perth, but the game was not expected to be impacted. And in property news, Cedar Woods' $32.5 million proposed apartment complex in Subiaco, which it plans to build alongside its $13 million townhouse development, is a step closer to getting the green light. The city of Subiaco has recommended the joint development assessment panel approved the seven-storey, 111-dwelling apartment complex at 133 Salvado Road. Cedar Woods plans to develop the 1.5-hectare site, which formerly housed Wembley TAFE, alongside its 41-townhouse development currently under construction. Cedar Woods State Manager Ben Rosser told Business News the developer would likely look to build on other sites in the area, in addition to its apartment and townhouse complexes. The Metro Inner North JDAP is expected to make a final decision on the development when it meets on October 4. And family-owned company Wittens is suing engineering company Mondium for allegedly failing to properly value and pay for work it completed at Rio Tinto's Western Turner Mine. According to a writ lodged in the Supreme Court, Wittens signed an agreement with the Monodelphus joint venture on February 28 last year for concrete works for Stage 2 of Western Turner Mine's expansion. In the writ, Wittens claims Mondium breached the contract by failing to consider value variations after the company found it couldn't use an access road to the site, needed concrete batch plant facilities and would be required to carry out night shift work. 
Further, the company alleged Mondium failed to pay for the work completed, as well as consider and approve extensions of time and delay costs for parts of the work. Wittens is now seeking damages, claiming the company suffered as a result of the alleged contract breaches. A spokesperson from Mondium told Business News the company had not yet been served a writ of summons by Wittens and was therefore not in a position to comment. In July last year, Business News reported Wittens had secured work with Mondium at Rio's Western Turner Mine near Tom Price under a $20 million subcontract tasked with completing earthworks and building a new processing plant. The contract was announced six months after Rio awarded Mondium a $400 million contract to carry out engineering, procurement and construction works to build mineral processing facilities as part of a $1 billion expansion of the mine. We'll be right back. We understand that business relies on being informed. That's why Business News is your most reliable source of news, industry insights and business connections. To stay fully informed, we encourage you to subscribe to our emails, flick through our magazine and visit businessnews.com.au for daily news updates. It's the best way to ensure you have the information you need to be future ready. Business News. More news, more insights, more connections. Over the weekend, Matt, Christian Porter had resigned from the ministry. Uh, This follows his demotion as Attorney General just six months ago. Uh, This time, though, it was because he accepted some money from a legal trust, uh, courtesy of benefactors who he was not able to name and was not willing to name. Now, ostensibly, this further dents his chances of retaining peers, which he holds on about a 5% margin. Uh, And there's been a lot of commentary about the seat losing a lot of its LNP margin to the neighbouring seats of Jurek and O'Connor as it's become this ex-urban northern Perth seat. Uh, still, it's notionally liberal held and Christian Porter has said that he intends to run again. Matt, what thoughts do you have about Christian Porter's chances of being re-elected at the next federal election? Yeah, great question, Jordan. You know, to be honest with you, when I saw uh, a few months ago that Christian announced on Facebook that he was going to nominate again in Pierce and he was intending to stand again, that to me, I think, was a pretty telling sign that he must have thought he was in with some sort of chance because... I think after the year he's had, you you seriously wouldn't put yourself through it uh, unless you thought you were in with a reasonable chance. And presumably there was some polling conducted and all the rest of it that would have informed that decision. So I think the fact that he is running again is a pretty good demonstration that he thinks it's possible. Um, in the video at the time, I recall he said that uh, people had come up to the, in the community and offered him support, um, which is, you know, I mean, whether they also offer him uh, criticism too, I don't know, but certainly in the video he said he'd received a lot more support in the community than he's expected. Um, I mean, the other option is that, uh, again, after a difficult six to nine months, he probably maybe feels like he wants to prove himself. Uh, maybe he wants to do something which is a massive challenge. There's two schools of thought, I think, when it comes to campaigning as to what really wins an election. You know, is it the local candidate or is it, you know, overwhelming federal sort of factors? Uh, Christian Porter has generally been a very good campaigner over the past decade or, or decade and a half, and he was in state parliament as well. People have always said he's been pretty hardworking. The, many people have said that he was one of the most talented ministers in the Barnett government. Uh, so those things are promising for him, and he obviously has good support in uh, some parts of the world. He has historically had good support in the business community for donations. Whether that continues is another question. But then there is another thought, Jordan, and that is that the tide has been very high in WA for the Liberals in the past 15 years or so. 
there was the mining tax, the carbon tax. Uh, I think the issue of stopping the boats really resonated here and a few other things. You know, back in 2013, the Barnett boom, you know, the state government was incredibly popular. It was a glory, glory age for the Liberals. And uh, you could be a candidate who wasn't necessarily that hardworking or whatever else, and you would have just been carried through with the waves. Um, when the tide is moving in the opposite direction, uh, you've got to swim against the tide, things become incredibly difficult. Um, and in this case right now, I mean, gee whiz, we know that the state really did not take the federal government's treatment of the state border issue uh, very well. It was not popular here. It ended up massively uh, helping to the wipeout of the state Liberals uh, earlier this year. Um, so that issue of the borders, I expect, you know, Mark McGowan will be involved in the campaign, in the federal election campaign. They'll be out there in places like Pierce really nailing the border issue. They'll say he was the attorney general that wanted to reopen the state borders and bring in the pandemic and all the rest of it. I expect they'll trade on that. I, my personal view is, um, on this basis, uh, it might be a difficult federal election for the Liberals in WA. One other point, and that is that, uh, as you've said, the boundaries have changed. So places like Gingin, Beverly, uh, Ellenbrook, uh, Bullsbrook, Yanship, that was sort of where the electorate was back in 2016, two elections ago, and it's changed a lot over a few elections' time. His office, I recall, was in Ellenbrook, at least for a good period, so he probably has a very good name recognition there. Well, Ellenbrook's not in the seat anymore of Pierce. Now it's Two Rocks and Alkamos, Mindari, Maidaly, Lansdale, Wanneroo, um, that sort of area there. Now, a lot of those places, Butler, I mean, even you mentioned 2007, even when Kevin Rudd won in, uh, in 2007, uh, Butler, the Liberals got 55% at that booth with Judy Moylan. So a lot of those places, Two Rocks, Alkamos, Mindari, I mean, I see as being quite strong Liberal uh, voting areas. Uh, but they are all in the city of Wanneroo, and that'll bring us to the point of Tracy Roberts, the Labour candidate, in a moment. Yes, she's the star recruit, I believe, of this uh, campaign in WA. She's a very strong candidate, and as you mentioned there, the new seat of Pierce almost entirely focuses on Wanneroo, and she benefits from having been the mayor of that city for 11 years. Uh, quite popular, I understand, and uh, someone who's proven themselves electorally in the seat. I guess the big theme that I see here is, can Christian Porter win again, right? And in saying that, I wanted to go back and I wanted to see the last time a scandal-plagued incumbent had managed to win re-election or, and in some cases, lost re-election. Um, and I've got to be honest with you, I can't actually find too many examples of it, and maybe it's because I'm a lazy researcher, but... Uh, the most recent example I could find that was somewhat similar was in Warringah, where Tony Abbott lost after 25 years holding that seat. And I guess he wasn't really scandal-plagued. It was more that he walked around with a target on his back and uh, yeah. he was running against someone who was a lot more active and uh, probably able to ding him on the campaign trail a lot easier. And there's a few other examples there, such as Indy, there was Mayo, there was Denison, now renamed Clark, where an independent had won. But in those cases, that was because an independent won, not because the Labour endorsed candidate candidate had won, mm. uh, which I think opens up a lot of questions about Pierce, where the question that's being asked of voters isn't, would you prefer an independent to the liberal incumbent? It's, do you want a Labour challenger to the liberal incumbent? And to that end, I think the closest example to the upcoming election in Pierce in 2022, as we expect, uh, is actually the 2019 election when Kim Travers, who was a sergeant with WA Police, was endorsed and there was a lot of hype that she was going to win that seat and she actually went backwards against Christian Porter. I believe he got a tattoo because he did so well. Yeah, the Star Wars tattoo. I mean, still, Tracy Roberts has proven herself electorally quite a few times now in this seat and uh, as I said before, I imagine she is the star recruit of this uh, campaign in this state. Uh, can you offer me a bit of thoughts on how her campaign has gone over recent weeks? Yeah, and I mean, just an interesting observation just before I start. Uh, 
on, on what you're saying about you know scandals. I mean, quite often when, when there's a serious uh, sort of allegations against someone, they often don't run again. Mm. That's, that's the history of these things. So that's why it's very difficult to find a comparison. Um, and even if they do run again, there's always a lot of other factors influencing it too. So what you've, you've said there with, with Warringah, I mean, Tony Abbott was very unpopular as the election showed, um, but uh, it wasn't sort of, uh, you know, it wasn't an issue which is perhaps as, as serious um, as uh, what uh, Christian Porter has been going through. So that'll be interesting. But Tracy Roberts, uh, look, you know, you're right. She's the mayor of the city of Wanneroo. Uh, there have been some reports in the past few weeks about bullying accusations uh, and, and that, that they were investigated. And I understand the council has given the all clear on that. Um, but here are some interesting things that I observed, just having a bit of a quick look. Tracy Roberts, 1,400 followers as mayor on Facebook, which is, you know, it's a decent amount, but it's not a huge amount by any stretch of the imagination, particularly for someone who's been there for 11 years. Um, And I saw in the most recent mayoral election there, which was was, uh, 2019, so two years ago, uh, she won by a heck of a lot, 68.9% of the vote she had against uh, Sone Coetzee with 31.2%. But, Jordan... Uh, the participation rate in the city of Wanneroo election at the time was 23.5%. Mm. So uh, Miss Roberts got about 18,500 votes, and I think it's a seat, uh, sorry, it's a council with 200,000 people that live there or something. So they weren't necessarily, people weren't necessarily knocking down the doors to go out and vote or what have you. It's a very low participation rate, less than a quarter of voters, and councils always have low participation, but that seems very very low uh, nonetheless a very thumping win so that goes to show that at least she's got a, a fair level of support in the community one thing that's interesting about this and look i'm not really so familiar with wanneroo and not really so familiar with her 11 years in wanneroo but um if you're a a, a mayor and you're kind of non-partisan and you sort of pick the right issues to talk about as a mayor or whatever um and you're well known in the community uh, that's one thing but uh, when you're running as a a candidate with a political party and people know what your colour is and all the rest of it, um, they might take a very different view of you. When you're campaigning on things like oh, we want to get this road built or whatever, uh, people might support might be much more supportive than if you're campaigning on a polarising federal issue or whatever else. So it'll be an interesting challenge for Ms Roberts against uh, someone who is uh, who's a very seasoned incumbent when it comes to running election campaigns, Jordan. Mm. I just want to point out as well that that 5.2% margin, it doesn't look like a lot on paper, but I went back and I looked at the pre-election pendulum for the next uh, federal election. Uh, And to get to a 5.2% uniform swing, there's a few seats that you'd expect would be knocked off along the way. Some of those ones are to be expected. So the two swing seats in Tasmania, which are Braddon and Bass, uh, in Victoria, Chisholm, which was held by Labour until very recently, uh, Seats like Boothby in South Australia, which have been under threat now for a few election cycles. And again, looking in New South Wales with Reid, Longman in Queensland, Leichhardt in Queensland. Seats that, again, have traditionally been seen as swing electorates. Uh, But you'd also expect a few other notable seats to fall, such as Dixon, which is held by Peter Dutton, which, despite a lot of effort over the past few election cycles, just doesn't seem to fall. Uh, There's Deakin, which is held by Michael Sakar, who is a noted power broker within the Victorian Liberal Party and I imagine would be able to marshal the forces to save his seat if things were getting bad. Further down the list, you see Pierce, Christian Porter, with a uniform swing of 5.2%, that would deliver the Labour Party 84 seats. Now, for comparison, the Rudd slide delivered the Labour Party 83 seats. Mm. 
So I don't know if anyone's expecting a rod slide necessarily. And obviously a uniform swing does not always occur. Things change between seats. But uh, just on paper, you'd be expecting the party to outperform its high watermark in the last three decades. Well, we may not get a rod slide nationally, but I tell you what, it's very possible WA Labor could get a McGowan slide in WA. And mm. that would be the thing that would be the, the other thing that would be very worrying, not just for Christian Porter, but a lot of liberals here. I imagine not only will Christian Porter's seat be one to watch, there'll be many seats across WA that we'll be looking at intently when the federal election is called in the coming months. Matt, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.